Well, what a great morning and happy Father's Day to all the fathers who are tuning in. I hope you're having a great morning. Uh, what a great day it is to be able to honour fatherhood. And I hope you've had a great breakfast, maybe an egg and bacon roll in bed or something like that. Um, that's my favourite, bit of barbecue sauce. Oh, yum. And um, I hope you're enjoying also the chocolates that we sent out to you just so that you can indulge a little bit. Uh, nothing like resting up on Father's Day because I think it's a great thing to honour fathers. And Dad, we love you and we appreciate everything you do. And families, please honour your dad today because he's a good man. Is that cool? Great. Also, we've got our coffee here, obviously sponsored by Cornerstone. Um, we're going to sit around and have a bit of a chat today. It's a little bit different at our service. So we welcome everybody to our church service this morning. And I just want to start off with a bit of a thought. I've been reading Joshua, where Joshua was leading the children of Israel into the promised land. Uh, that would have been a bit of an interesting job. And um, they came to the Jordan River, which was in flood. And there's no possible way of ever taking the Ark of the Covenant as well as the people across the big, very big river, Swollen River. However, God speaks to them, just say, walk in as soon as your feet touch it, it will be blocked up. And they did that. They stepped in and the water held up to one side and they were able to move all the people and the Ark of the Covenant across the river onto the dry land on the other side. But Joshua said, okay, I want everyone, let's gather 12 big stones. And they set them up as an altar or a monument um, to, to, to honour God. And, and this is what he said. He said, so that those who are to come may know that Adonai, or God, is powerful and he is to be honoured. He set up an altar so that those who are to come, the generations, will know that God is powerful and that he is to be honoured. I love it. You know, in the, in the fifth commandment, it's very interesting, one of the commandments, the, the fifth one, where God actually says this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honour your father and mother, uh, sorry, honour your father and honour your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. I always thought that's interesting. I think I agree with that command, but one of the top 10? Until I realised the promise that's behind that is not for the individuals to be blessed for a long life. He was speaking to Israel, his people. And what he's really saying there is this. If you build a society where children honour their parents, that society will thrive for a long time. However, if the children do not honour their parents, that society is doomed to self-destruction. Very interesting thought. How does that relate to Joshua? I believe God wants to be honoured with, you know, he wants to be honoured as God. And we benefit as people as we honour God. Those stones were there so people would not forget. Again, in the commandments, children, honour your mothers and fathers. And I realise something. The reason why that's there is this. If we learn to honour our parents, we learn to honour God. So he set up something that would bring honour to him right there and then. You know, Freud, Sigmund Freud, he's an atheist, but even he said this, one's attitude towards one's father largely shapes one's attitude towards God. How we honour our parents is how we honour God. How we see our father is how we see our God. I started thinking about this on Father's Day. Here we sit. I believe God wants us as dads 
to build that similar altar within our families so that we could see God honoured, that we could actually be the dads and, and have a family that sees God as the one who is powerful and he is to be honoured. And it's in our parenting that we actually establish that. So what I did, I, I asked these men whether they'd gather with me this morning. We have Pastor Andrew, Pastor Matt, Pastor Jesse and Pastor Judah all together. And we've got two young dads here who are just starting out and being dads who have lots of questions to ask. On the other side here, we've got Pastor Andrew, who's done fantastic. And his children are just amazing. His grandchildren are amazing, loving God and serving the Lord. And of course, we have Pastor Matt here who produces really great looking kids, obviously. <laughs> Joking. Well, my brother's okay. <laughs> but if you're not aware, Pastor Matt is my dad and I'll honour him today as well. And he's got a great experience and a great wisdom as well. So I thought it'd be great to have a chat about what it means to build an altar as a dad on Father's Day. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, the Lord gives this command to his people. Verses 4 to 9 say this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Write them down everywhere. Honour the Lord your God and put it everywhere. Let it be known everywhere. I see this as building um, an altar for God within your family. So we're going to discuss that. What's it mean? How do dads need to react to this? What's, what, what practical steps do I take as a dad to see that an altar is built to God within my family? So gentlemen, welcome. So great okay. to have you all here. I'm going to ask you, what do you think? What's some thoughts you've got about building an altar of family? Just quickly. Andrew? Okay. Thanks for that, Rick. Um, I think probably the first thing I would say, uh, I love that Deuteronomy thing, and I love that it says you're building altars as you go. The thing about that, though, is you're building altars whether you know it or not. Yeah. Um, so whether we're building spiritual altars to God, that's what we want. But if you're not, you're still building altars. Yeah. And I think the thing I want to say for me is building an altar. That building an altar is a purposeful thing that you have to choose your focus and what your priorities are in your family's life. And if you choose that to be a godly family, well then you must choose to build on that brick by brick, rock by rock, that the things that happen in your life and the experiences you have in God, you have to put there for your family to see. So a memorial, an altar, is a place of something that is seen, the presence of God. And so my job as a father is to bring the presence of God into my family so that they can see the reality of oh, God. brilliant. And yeah. build on that love in it, my man. life. I love yeah. it. How about you, Dad? Yeah, the I think one of the things that we did in our family was very early in the piece was that we, we made sure that we were all at the meal table at night time. We couldn't do it for breakfast and that time, but at night time we could do that. 
And one of the rules in our house was, the first thing was, was to turn that TV off. <laughs> so that everybody could concentrate, because you had the tendency to go, well, you know, uh, Bonanza's on or something, or whatever it was the kids wanted to watch, or what I wanted to watch. And uh, so we used to do that, and we'd come and sit around the table, and we'd say grace, of course. But that table became a place where we could communicate, where we could ask the kids how they go to school, and whatever happened. Mind you, they didn't want to tell me half the time, but the, uh, it was a place where we were able to have a good conversation. And that grew into a situation where we, they started bringing their friends on a Sunday to our dinners. We had, used to open it up for a dinner on, on, on Sundays. And uh, next thing, half the youth group were there at, the, at, at our, our thing. Why? Because they could feel free, because they felt, had a place where they could communicate and they felt at home in the, in the place. And that even continues to now. Rick and that do that in their family now. And I believe that's a real place where we built an altar, where all the barriers were down, all the, all the um, uh, blockages were down, and we were able to communicate. It didn't, didn't always work out because Rick was there, but that was, that was <laughs> okay. the story. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but that's where we started building an altar, I believe, around the, the dinner table. Yeah, brilliant. How about you, Jess? Yeah, I, starting out, um, I've got three kids all of a sudden. That, that just happened. So I, I almost don't feel like that new of a dad, even though it's only been three years. <laughs> but um, I, I often reflect upon my childhood and think about what, what did I witness and, and what kind of altar did I see. And um, one thing that I think was a huge contributor to, I'll call myself a success, which is really your success, um, is that you know, our family life was built in the centre of our church life. And it, it wasn't, you know, we, we played uh, sport, played cricket, played soccer, did swimming and stuff. And so, you know, we'd be a part of a cricket club and we'd, we'd do cricket training during the week and we'd play a game on, on the Saturday morning. But church wasn't a club that we were a part of. Mm. It was... It was the life which our family yeah. existed within, right? Well said, yeah. So I had all of these, I guess, spiritual aunties and uncles. I still call some of them auntie and uncle now, um, mm. who they were just in our home and we were in their home and we got to know their kids. And, and so with my family, I, I'm trying to set it up, you know, that, that we are a part of our church family. And, I mean, we have multiple huddles a week and multiple services a week. And, and you can look at that. And, and if you thought of that as though but that's a club that you're a part of, it's like, wow, that's, that's a lot. I don't know if I can fit that in my life. But I don't see it as that. That is my family life is built in the center of the church life that's going on. And so I can already see my, my, my girls, they, they love when, oh, my friends are coming over, you know, when, when we have church at our house or when we go to church, they're just, yay, so excited. Yeah. Um, whether that was at St. Paul's for Pendant Church on a Sunday or here on a Friday night, um, they've just, I can see that they're, they can see that honouring the church, Christ's bride, is something that our family does. It's yeah. part of our family life. Yeah, so very good. It takes a village to raise a child. Absolutely, Absolutely. and it helps. Yeah. <laughs> so much better than doing it on your own. <laughs> That's good. How about you, Jude? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, for me, I feel like uh, my daughter doesn't even talk yet. So <laughs> we haven't done a whole lot of teaching um, about, you know, things that, 
that God has kind of brought to our family. But something that really like stuck out to me was um, like sometimes uh, we can assume, and I've come across this you know time and time again through youth ministry, that we assume knowledge, and so we assume that um, you know our kids know that God is faithful, or we assume that our kids know um, the promises of God, or that and that kind of thing. Uh, but I think what building an altar is about is, um, you know, while it's obvious at the time why they put those rocks there, you know, it's obvious at the time why they p- picked up the 12 stones and they put them there, in a generation's time it's not obvious. Mm. And so it's about pointing out what's obvious to you um, that's mm. not so obvious to those that are following after you. Mm. I think the Bible says um, so that when your kids ask you about this, you can tell them yeah, that's right. multiple times. That's right. and, um, and so for me it's about finding opportunities to make what's obvious to you obvious to them. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah that's oh, good. Well, good. That's good. Very As good you were saying in, um, in Proverbs 22, um, at the end there, it says, the previous generation has set up, ba- puts boundaries in place. Don't you dare move them just to benefit yourself. You know, and that's sort of the, the boundaries like memorials. You know, don't ignore what your parents have done and your grandparents before you. But, yeah, know them and build on them. Yeah. That's a real good um, lead into what I want to ask you next. What's some key factors into actually building an altar? What's some key steps a father needs to make in order to start building an altar within their families? Okay. Um, I think one of the very important things for me is that if I want to build altars, I mean to make sure that I'm building well in my own life. Ah, good. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I can go and build something, but if it's not built well, it's just going to collapse, you know? So I've really learnt in building altars, the focus has to come back on me, making sure I'm building my life well so that I'm pointing the way. Because kids, mate, they're watching. Their little eyes are watching all the time. And it's, you don't sit down and teach them. You know what I mean? As you were talking about there, Judah, yourself, that they, they, you have those moments, but they're watching what you do every moment, like in that Deuteronomy thing. Mm. You know, so I think that being aware that every moment is an opportunity to build into the lives of your children. You know, and so, you know, we sort of know with our children when uh, there's a lot of pressure, I suppose, when I came in the ministry to send our children to a Christian school. But at the time, we couldn't afford it, and so they went to a public school. But God said to me, that's okay, because you're the one that will be setting the tone. Yeah, you're the one that will so be true. teaching into their so lives. True. Not letting the, the, the teachers, that praise God for teachers, but they're not the ones that set my children's future. I am. And so yeah. we used to have conversations about maybe something that came up that was difficult for my children to understand in a Christian context, and we would set the culture, you know? It's very easy, I think, this day and age for us to assume they're learning principles at places like school mm. or even at church, mm. which I'm, a, as a dad, should be teaching them. Yes, that's right. And it's too easy just to sort of think, oh, it's okay, they'll learn that somewhere else. Mm. It's not the way God intended it. Mm. God intended that you'd be the one. Yes. And you can only really teach who you are, mm. which is what you're getting at, right? Yes. About you're actually got to build, building yourself correctly, yes. of which Jesus gave us and Paul gave us plenty yes. of examples of great foundations we can put in our lives. I think one of the other very important things for us too is, in the family sense, you don't build solo. Yeah, true. You build in partnership. 
Okay, so you have to come to that place. I feel, and my, Susan and I, my wife, have many times over the years sat down and thought, what are we building? What, what's the focus? What do we want to achieve? Because you can get so ca get caught up in life, turn around and think, how did we get here? You've got to sometimes purpose and decide what altar do we want to build in this yeah, place. Yeah, absolutely. And then both work on it together so you're unified. Yep, cool. I think the saying that, I guess you've heard it, uh, don't do what I do, but do what I say. Mm -hmm. Don't do what I say, but do what I do. I do whatever it is, yeah, whichever way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is such a fallacy, really, because I want to tell you, kids, do what you are. What you produce in life, how you treat your wife, how you treat your family, how you treat your neighbour, whatever, is how they will act. It's not what you say. It is, uh, it is what you are. And I believe that, that our authority is in, is in what we really are, coming from the depths of our heart, coming from our, uh, uh, to what we are rather than, than uh, uh, what we say we are. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I want to ask this question. I know the young fellows here have got a few questions to ask as well. But I want to start off with this again. Uh, what are the important roles of a father in building an altar? I'm sure there's plenty. And I remember, Dad, you, you actually explained to me once that it actually happens before the child's even born. Um, that's when it really begins. You're starting to build an altar while the baby's still in the mummy's tummy. That's Can true. you explain that? That's true. The, uh, first, I just need to say that uh, when a uh, child is conceived, uh, doctors tell us that the first thing created is the mind. Now, that might go against a lot of things, but... But I believe it's right. The mind is the first thing that's, that's created. So here you've got this little embryo that, that's a mind that's receiving everything into it. Uh, it might go against some, some traditional stuff, but, but that's what's there, I believe. And I believe that, 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 that we as fathers can talk into those situations because they pick up the environment, they pick up what the mother is, they pick up what the father is. And... Uh, I know um, we used to talk to, uh, I used to talk to our, to our kids before they were born. And if, and, and if you think that's not mad, but, mm -hmm. but it's true, we do that. You know, Elizabeth and, uh, and Mary, Mary went over to Elizabeth. And what they do, they sang to their children. Yeah. And uh, I was saying to God, God the other night when I was thinking about this, well, where was Joseph? Why didn't he talk? He said, well, he was dumb at that stage. <laughs> he could have said Zachariah. Zachariah. Oh, Zachariah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, what I was saying was that I used to uh, talk to, to the babies before they were born. And I had names for them, actually. I'd never told you this, Rick. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to know. Alistair Egbert was the name I had that I used to use. I used to come home from work and say, how's little Ali going? I used to call him, call him uh, Ali Egg. Yeah, that could stick. That could <laughs> That's stick. a great nickname, I think. But yeah. I used to talk to them. <laughs> how's things going? What's happening? And uh, quite often we would pray for them while they're in the womb because they're, they're absorbing all that. You might think that's crazy, but they do. They absorb what they are. And, and they absorb fears that the mother feels. On the, and they absorb... If the, if, the, if, if the father's angry, comes home and, and uh, rouses at his wife, well, guess what's happening? The little baby's picking that up and, and there's an insecurity grows within that, within that little child 
before it's born even. And I think it's so important that we are so positive to our wives and to our, our children before they're born. And that, that comes through into, into, because it builds a foundation in the child's life. You know, God, God created us, he put us together in the womb, but that's where he finished. He left the rest up to the parents to put into the child, like, like Jess was saying, that, that we have to train our children in doing things. And, and this is setting a foundation because when they're born, if, if, we, if we haven't done that, the, the child will, be, will, have a, um, will have a deficit such as, as not, not feeling comfortable, not, not feeling as though they belong, not doing all this. And I believe that God wants us to make sure that we're positive of that. Yes, you're loved. Yes, you're wanted. I think that's the biggest thing, that they're wanted. So it's many... It's like a child is born with a love deficit. Yeah. And the father gets to fill it. And yeah. a mother, of course. Yeah, father and mother. But you know, really, it's the father's job to, to, uh, to do that, is to bring them into a place of doing that. So the, the mother comes to... Mothers, well, they just love their mother anyway because they're so close. But fathers tend to be a little bit distant. But I want to encourage you to get in there and to really show your children you love them even before they're born. And I think that's very, very important. Yeah, very good. Very good. What other important roles? you guys got any thoughts or questions you'd like to put towards that? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, something that I've, I'm really concerned about um, is obviously making sure that I can raise my kids um, well. And something that Dad always said to us was, um, you know, I just want you to do two things in your life. If you achieve nothing else, always just do these two things. Um, serve God with everything you've got and get your kids to heaven. And, uh, and so that's been really important to me. Okay, uh, you know, I, I've, I'm serving God with everything that I've got, but how do I make sure my kids get to heaven? Uh, you know, I, there's this verse that says, uh, train a child up in the way they shall go, and when they're older, they'll not depart from it. Yes. But I just wondered whether I could pick your brains a little bit about yeah. what does it mean to train up a child in the way they should go? Like, what are some key foundational things? Because I know both of you have kids and grandkids that are still in church and they still love God. And so what does that, you know, what, how does that look for you? What are some key things that you've implemented in your parenting? I think uh, before I said they're watching. And I think particularly you've got to make sure you don't wear two faces. You know, the church face? Yeah. and the home face. You've got to be constant. And I think in that you've got to have a genuine love of the things of God in your life that is in your down moments as well as in your public moments as well. So, because your children will see the difference in that. And so I think for, for that thing, uh, we've got, I suppose, an altar in our life, uh, my wife and myself, of um, watching the words we speak. And I think sometimes you can, um, when you train up a child, be very careful about the words you speak over your children. Mm -hmm. And we always made sure that we were speaking words of life over our children. But more than that, we actually raised our children to speak words of life in the home over their siblings mm -hmm. and over their mother. Yeah. And I, as a father, had to be the one to make sure that happens. So we wanted to create an atmosphere in our home that was an oasis. Didn't matter what happened around this world, they, and uh, you were saying before that you had Sundays where family would come into your home. We found that as well. Because we chose to train up our children and create an atmosphere, 
they wanted to be in our yeah. place because right. they sensed something. And hopefully they've sensed that, that peace and that presence of God. And my children grew up to enjoy the presence of God, you know, not mm. just to see it as something that we wear on Sundays. Yeah, mm. very good. Mm. Yeah, quite often, even now, you will hear people that are, that are growing up with kids of their own will come to our house and they will, or they'll see us in the street or whatever, and the, they will recognise or they will refer to us as mum and dad mm. because of that situation. What I was going to say was that a very important thing is when you're correcting your children, if your wife corrects your, your daughter or son in the way they should go, don't ever contradict that. That's right. Don't ever go across what they've just said. You might do it in privately, yes. but not, not in front of the children because because what you do is you break the confidence of the, of the, of the mum and the dad in that. Mm. And I believe that's very important. Mm. And I believe that, that uh, we come back to sowing things into our lives, like I said about the children being these little sponges. They are. They're, they don't know anything. When, the, when, when, when a human is born, they, they can't walk, can't do anything. They've got to learn everything. Yeah. And do you know, statistics tells us, that they'll learn more in the first five years of their life mm. than they'll learn in the rest of their entire life. Mm. So it's very, and guess who's got to put that in? Mm. It's the dads and the mums. I know kids are very good at dividing and conquering. Yeah, you know, with mums and dads. Oh, mum said this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you can, dad be, said yeah. it was all right. Yeah, if you can be unified. Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, did she? Mm. <laughs> okay. So yeah. yeah. So there's this. I'm noticing as we watch the climate of our current world, mm -hmm. there's this idea that our children know what's best for them. Yeah. They know who they are. They know what they need. But that's completely the opposite of what you're saying, right? Yeah. They're blank slates. We need to teach them what's right or they're not going right. to know. Because mm. if you don't do that, guess who teaches them? The TV mm. or the world. And, and not everything that's on TV and not everything that's in the world is right for their life. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we need to teach them God principles. Not so much verses of scripture, but it's, it's, well, we need to do that as well, but it's the principles of God, the principles of a Christian life so, they can, so that they can live in society. There's a scripture that says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Um, and I love the scripture that also says, th uh, talking about as we move in these crazy generation that we live in, thinking them themselves wise, they became fools. I'd love to bring them back to the Word of God, not yeah. what the popular sentiment is or the popular thing or opinion, but what does God say? And bring them back to the, the wisdom of God exactly. so that we can put that into their lives. Because if they build on that, then they're going to have a solid foundation, you know, and uh, that's very important. Yeah, mm. and it talks there about the, um, our rebellion is born in the heart of the child. Yes. But the rod of correction will drive it far from them. Mm. I was brought up to believe that meant that you get a stick and <laughs> Yeah, I can lay testimony to that. <laughs> and and it worked for him. Are you, I but think you passed that down too. I went down the wood heap plenty of times. I think um, for me, it, we can joke around with it, but discipline, uh, whatever format 
you know, that comes in your family is a very, very important part of life. That scripture is again in Proverbs 22 in the Passion. It says, although rebellion is woven into a young man's heart, tough discipline can make him into a man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think for, uh, we were blessed that we had godly uh, mentors um, in our pastors here, Ian and Joan. And uh, they had told us, make sure you deal with rebellion in a child. And rebellion is in all of us. Mm. We are born... Yeah with that thing and us as parents have to be in a place where we can deal with rebellion in somebody's heart you know and know when that is we get good at seeing rebellion and making sure we don't let that thing grow so yeah. just to clarify like you're not going to punish a boy just for being a boy exactly but once you tell him not to do something exactly and he chooses to do it that's rebellion yeah. right well, don't yeah. don't punish for accidents or childishness you know but if you've already warned a child you know no don't do that okay and then they'll purposely do it and I think sometimes we can go down that thing of saying right I'm going to count to ten and you know they kids seem to be very good at then knowing they can take you to nine and three quarters <laughs> okay yeah. whereas we try to get our children to say no I'm not going to do that mm. when I tell you something I want you to obey obey is so yeah. important isn't it mm. That's right. I reckon the number one thing to teach a child is to obey their parents exactly and, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's a bit like using the rod for correction or punishment. We live in a world where that's pretty well been abused mm -hmm. and it's not safe in many cases. So yes. if you can find other ways to do that, it's probably yes. the best way. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like we were saying there. Um, a great example is well, Judah was a little boy in church playing with cars. Yeah. And it came to preaching time, so it's really quiet, right? Now he's just being a boy. Megan doesn't let me bring my cars anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to punish him for being a boy, but what I can do is say, hey, Jude, it's not right time to make that noise. Can you please play quietly? Yes. He has a choice then to obey dad. Yes. And he's got a dad he can trust. Yes. And, or he can disobey dad, which is rebellion. Yeah. So if he disobeys... We take a walk outside of church, exactly, and we have a chat. <laughs> I think the remember those chats, Jude. <laughs> Could I the, say what? The what? really important thing I found too, though, that that discipline comes right back to my growth as an individual. Yeah. Because you can only discipline out of your own self-control and out of how much love you have in your own heart for that child. Because when you discipline, it must come out of a place of love not out of a place of anger or frustration. And I think this is the thing. If you sometimes wait till the 10th time, you are so frustrated, that's when abuse can happen. Yeah. Because you react rather than having that place of saying, that's no, I'm doing this because I want you to grow up to be a man that has honour and respect yeah. in your life. I remember Naomi and I gave away the three. We gave away, look, I'll count to three. We gave that away because we were realising we were allowing these boys to disobey us mm. three times or twice before they'd obey us. That's mm -hmm, true. Mm -hmm. So if they, you know, we always taught our children um, obedience is done happily, immediately, and completely. Hick, H I C. Yeah. Happily, immediately, and completely. Yeah. If it's not those three things, it's not obedience. Yeah. And um, it took a long time for it to get it through their heads. Yeah. Because they would test it regularly because yeah. kids are not dumb. They test it. You're thinking of Solly, not... No, me. Solomon. That was Solomon all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, what we found, it, it became a joy. Yes. Because when we asked them to do something, after we'd have many wars, yeah. 
they do it immediately, and it's a yeah. joy as a parent to do that. Yeah. yeah, I think what you just said, something very important was, you actually didn't start like that. It no. wasn't perfect all the time. It was no. a journey that you learnt along the way. Yeah. And so I think sometimes people can hear and they think, oh, I've mucked it up, you know, I haven't done it right. You can always grow, you can always change, you can always, you know. We yeah. used to have a three-day war. Mm. It'd usually go for three days. <laughs> really given no boundaries, yeah. well, tight boundaries, I should say. Yeah, yeah could and I just clarify something about the yeah. rod? Mm. Yeah, yeah. What is the rod? If you read that, it says the rod of correction. Yeah. It's not a stick. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes you've got to do that to get their attention. <laughs> but the rod is correction. Mm -hmm. You've got my attention plenty of times. Mm -hmm. But um, only once. In the building industry, <laughs> a rod's actually a consistent measure. Yeah. Yeah. In the building industry, and I like to think of it that way, yeah. it's a consistent measure. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting point because we live in a world where it has been abused. Yeah. And I think it um, comes back to being a godly man like you were saying, Andrew. Yeah. A godly man who is self-controlled. Mm. Has self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit, right? Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. I think if we had more of that, we would yeah. be able to see our children disciplined. And you know what? If you start early enough, you don't have to do much. Yeah. No way discipline. Mm. Sometimes that can backfire, though. I remember a time we were sitting at the dinner table and my middle son, Michael, was notorious for being a bit fussy with what he eats and slow. And I remember um, saying to him, Michael, you either eat your dinner, your vegetables, or you can get a smack. Now, Michael's a pretty sharp boy. He looked at me and said, um, I'll take the smack, thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> after, after you kind of compose yourself yeah. and sort of think, you got to what, try do not I, to, what do I do with that? You've got to try not to laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. can't laugh now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, with every, every correction you have with your children, you must win mm. the situation. Mm. What I mean by that is you don't give in halfway down the thing and say, oh, yeah, this is too mm. hard. No, because that's what the child's waiting for. You must win the situation. Even if you're a little bit on the wrong side, you've still got to win that, and then you can apologise after or whatever. But you must win the argument. If you win, the child wins, right? That's yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, good. Yeah. So you're kind of talking about things that you, you, you kind of want to draw them away from and correct them, but it's something that like, I'd love to know is if when your kids left you and you move out, get married, whatever, um, or even when you pass away, what is kind of one thing that you want to have instilled in your kids? Like, what's the most important thing, do you think, that you'll have, have instilled in your kids that you'll be most proud of in the end? I think in my situation, to be a family situation. Mm -hmm. You know, God, what did he do? He created families. And families are the way that he was going to run the world. And what's the, what's the biggest threat now in people is the family and they're targeting the family if they and especially dads they're trying they're, they're targeting dad if they can get dad off off off, uh, off center or whatever it is so in answer to your question Judah I would say that they retain the family situation keep families close yeah yeah, yeah. I think On off the family. top of my head um, one of the things very important to me is the ability to show love and genuine to be able to express that. Like when I see my, my kids loving their spouses, okay, and loving their children and bringing them up in the ways of the Lord, I feel, wow, I've done it. You know, I've succeeded. 
And that, for me, is the very important thing, that that genuineness of faith and love that they can express to one another. Mm. I want to tell you there's nothing more exciting than to sit. uh, We go to, to, to dinner every night with Rick and Naomi and the family. And there's nothing thrills Beverly in my heart more than to see our little great-grandchildren mm. come up and hug us or sit on our knees or, or go to Papa Bear and all yeah. this type of stuff. Yeah. We, we think to ourselves, man, we can't imagine that. Mm. But that's, that's, that's what life's about and that's what God intended it to be mm. like. When you talk about train up a child, I think there's, you don't even have an excuse for personality. You know, no. saying, well, I'm melancholy, I'm introverted, you know what I mean? Certainly, certainly one of my children was a bit more that way. And I said, no, 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 there is no place not to be able to show and express love in a family. And I think for fathers out there, maybe that find it a little bit hard. You've got to get over that situation and be able to express love and show love to your wife. Okay, very important in front of your children so yeah. they can see That's okay, that you love them. The greatest gift you can give your children is to love their mother with all, all your heart. Mm. That's so true. <laughs> this is a bit funny, but my children would cry every time I would kiss my wife in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> This is like, that's my mummy, what are you doing? That's how I They've feel grown out of that now, mom. but there was a good. Both Neve and Rami both hit this age where they just <laughs> literally would go into tears. But I think it is benefiting them in the long run. <laughs> Stick with it, mate. They'll get the, they'll get the hang of it. <laughs> but that's good, though, isn't it? Mm. Well, that really leads into another question because um, it's a big part of building an altar, right, is the role of a husband. Mm-hmm. What's, what's some important roles or what's the important factors in being a husband for your wife? I think I take very seriously the uh, scripture that tells me I'm the head of the home. Um, I think that's a very misunderstood scripture. Um, And it's not one that I take lightly because it actually says to do that, it means I must be willing, as Christ did, to actually die to self. I must sacrifice myself in order to love my wife and my family. And so, you know, it is very, very important for me to be able to take that role on and be a decision maker, not just a, a provider, but somebody that brings that together. I know that when we came into my, my family life, my wife was probably a bit more of the disciplinarian than I was, but I had to learn not to be able to just give that away to her, but I had to be able to take that on myself as well. Yeah, yeah mm. very good. Yeah. I think that's true. The, 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 um most important thing that, that, that will put security into a child mm-hmm. is loving their mum. Mm-hmm. And to see mum and dad hugging each other. Mm-hmm. And to see mum and dad in love. And I believe that is so important mm-hmm. in, the, well, in the child's life. Mm. So it's good. Yeah, very good. Cool. You know, I was thinking um, about you know, the role of a husband and a father. Uh, I always taught early on through a lot of books that I read, and I encourage everyone, read some good books um, about this. Is, you, you know, there's a, other people have made the mistakes you're about to mis- make. Um, let their mistakes not be yours. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, but uh, I've learned that tying heartstrings is a very important thing. Look for opportunities always to tie your heart to your children's heart and to your wife's heart every time. Mm-hmm. And if you ever feel that they've been cut, do all you can to tie them up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be through time. Love languages play a long, big 
part in that, gifts or, or just being around or saying, I am so sorry I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And I remember that was a big thing amongst our children, all five of them. Um, they'll, they'll have a fight, mm -hmm. but we couldn't let the fight exist mm -hmm. or couldn't let it continue. It happens, but it must be, okay, let's get this right. Let's ask for forgiveness mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And not only ask for forgiveness, mm -hmm. forgive them. Yeah, that's right. I forgive you. Exactly. And it's amazing how well that can bring healing, just the words, I forgive you. Mm. Powerful thing. Mm. Because forgiveness is the benefit of both, not just one person, yeah? Mm. Can, I, can I just share on being the other end of that, right? So growing up, I had no comprehension of the end result of that, right? So Judah and I would have a fight. We'd be hating each other. Yep. And sure, we'd have to, you know... Make up, saying sorry, like, yeah, I forgive you. Don't really mean it, but whatever. <laughs> and, but in the moment, have no comprehension of what that will be, right? No respect for that principle. But when we became adults, we became best friends. Yeah. Like, mm. my siblings are my best friends. Yes. They, yeah. they understand me. They understand where I've come from. We, yes. we can relate. We have so many common interests. And I, I see other families where that's not the case. And I think that that is a key of it. It's, it's mm. don't let any grudges stay. You Absolutely. are family. You are brothers. You are sisters. And, yep. and there is so much benefit in that because when you're adults and you're all mature and you all understand, mm. you, you have this reward of, of relationship and friendship. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. On the other side of that too is that quite often the children need to forgive their parents mm. because... It's all about perception. It is what they're perceiving is right and wrong. And, and quite often the child will take, oh, I didn't do that wrong. Or what well, in your own mind you're thinking that. And you build up this attitude and that's unforgiveness. And that's, that's when you need to forgive your mum and dad and situate. And, and that will release you immediately like that. Yeah. When you do that. Another thing that I found came into our family really good, just thought of then was, my wife is a genius of bringing laughter into the house. Mm. And my wife, her laughter is very infectious, as you would all know, if you've heard her preach. And um, she knew how to bring, a, I, I'm not a brilliant one at that, but she was brilliant at bringing laughter into our home and our family and really was a big part of it. I think a husband and wife are a good team. Yeah. And I think you've got to work on being a team. Yep. Yeah, and use each other's strength and lift each other up. In front of the children, lift your wife up. Tell them how good she is. Mm. Proverbs 31 does that. He, the, he says, you know, she's better than any gift of rubies, mm. this guy was saying, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think it's important to do those things because that's all building an altar, right? Yeah. This is all building an altar. Dads, we are building altars. Mm. And um, rem remembering that it all honours God at the end of the day. Mm. And we're going to finish up just shortly because our time's running out. But um, I just want just, to just emphasise to the dads. Dad, Pastor Andrew said it before that you are actually, Bible calls you the head of the house. We can interpret that the king of the house if you like, but it's, it's not a king who rules or gets served. If, if we look at the way the king of kings modelled it, how to be a king, is to get out on your knees and wash the feet. Metaphorically, Maybe physically too. But also, dads, it's about laying down your life for your family and maybe putting your agenda aside so that your wife's agenda can flourish. Again, the king of kings, he modelled it at a well when he saw a woman who had not 
had the best circumstances, he spoke life into her to a point where she became the world's first evangelist. She fulfilled her will because a man spoke over her life. I never saw it that way before, but Jesus modelled how to do that. This is the sort of kings we are of our homes. But I think, dads, I'm going to ask you today, would you step up to be that? Would you be the one who raises the children in godly ways, reminding them to follow the ways of the Lord, like Deuteronomy 6 tells us to? Write it on the doorpost. Write it. I like how it says, place it on your hands. In other words, let it be seen in what you do and place it on your forehead. Let it be seen in what you think. And I, I honestly believe it's a real call for us right now and I feel God needs this of us right now. In the world, one of the biggest problems we have is fatherlessness. We have a, a pandemic of fatherlessness and it's not just their absence, it's they're not willing to step up. And I'm wondering whether this is a moment for the church to be able to step up and, and lift our children up and lift our wives and our families up and our families get seen from the outside as an altar to God. That family honours God. That family, um, although not perfect, have this unity about them where they together, they honour God. You know what? I gave up long ago trying to be a perfect family. I want to be a family that just honours God. Serve him. Love him. Speak about him. He's at the centre, as his church is as well, because I don't think he can separate the bride from the groom. Jesus is the groom. His church is the bride. And when you've got that in right perspective, to serve his church, to serve his people is an honour. And that's what we're wanting to build, right? On this Father's Day, dads, I'm asking you to step up. Mums and, and wives, I'm going to ask you to encourage your husbands. You know, a lot of men try to lead, but the world calls them misogynistic. It's like an abuse, but they're not. They're just trying to lead. And I think, wives, if you encourage your husbands to step up and be that man that I've described to you, I think you'll be beautifully surprised. Let them know that they're not terrible men, they're good men. They're men who are honouring God. And, and even if he does trip up, sometimes it's okay. Get beside him and say, I believe you're a good man. I believe you're a strong man. I believe you're leading our family well. And if you can do that, you'll be surprised what you see. I, I can see a lot of men rising up across the world, especially within the church, seeing a, this great honouring God. And what I see is, I see a lot of healing happen. A lot of healing happen. And I believe right now, even the fact that we're celebrating Father's Day, it could be a moment of healing for a lot of you because you haven't seen the good side of it. But I want to tell you, there is a Father in heaven who loves you. And there's lots of fathers around you who are available for you to be close to you if you need that. But I'm going to leave this final challenge for all of us as we just finish up. And my voice is cracking. It's not Corona, but it is cracking a bit. This last challenge, here we are on Father's Day. Can I ask every one of you to find a father or go to a father, whether it be your father, a grandfather or someone else's father? And can you honour them today? Because honour is a bit like forgiveness. Forgiveness is not for the perpetrator. It's for the one who had it happen.
to them who need to forgive. Forgiveness sets you free. And I think honour is the same. Honour is not necessarily for the dad. But when you honour a dad, it does something to you. It builds something within you. And I want to challenge us all today. Let's honour fatherhood. Remember, God chose to be a father. He could have been a hippopotamus if he wanted to. But he became a father to model how it's to be done. Also, I just want to thank all those single mums out there who are basically playing both sides, being dad and mum. And I want to honour you and say thank you. I I champion you and I say you are awesome. And you're not falling short. You're doing well. But I want our church to be the sort of church where you can flourish because there's other men around who can just support you and say, my wife and I are with you so much. So well done, single mums. You're awesome. Don't ever feel as though you're falling short. You're doing well. And thank you. Well, church, I love you. Dads, I hope you have a great feed now, a great Father's Day. And um, celebrate it with as many people as you can because it's a great thing to do. Let me pray. Father in heaven, love you so much. I just want to lift up this moment to you of Father's Day. and Lord God, honour you as our Father and say thank you for coming as a Father, one who gives good gifts, one who loves and accepts and forgives, a Father who we can come to all the time. Lord, I pray, Lord God, anyone who's hurting today would be healed. Lord God, that anyone right now who, 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 who feels stressed or, or out of place, Lord God, you'll just bring them into your arms today. Holy Spirit, you're the comforter. Would you bring comfort? Now, Father, also, I pray also that you would inspire every man to be a father that you've called him to be, one that builds an altar within their families, strong, that honours God, so that the generations that are to come will say, Adonai, God, He is powerful and He is to be honoured. Lord, we love You and give You glory. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank Thank you so much. Great to have you here. God bless your church.